No one will be admitted after the guests check in. Almost as long as I've known you. Okay. Ben and I have a bond. Right, right, right. So it's not weird when I'm cuddling you and you're gently touching his thigh. No. That's a normal thing. Yeah. I'll never penetrate him again. We stopped that. I don't like this. Alright, guys. Welcome to Motel Hell. Where you... Where you come for the laughs and you stay for the for, for suicide. <laughs> the suicide pack. Two two five zero. Um, working on a tagline still. I used you know that used to be my job writing taglines and naming companies. Yeah, you told us this. In the I still don't believe you. Do you think if we ever do like a charity live stream, it should probably be for suicide awareness, right? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Suicide prevention. Well, you mean to counteract the. The amount of times we talk about killing ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna I know. Well, I have a friend edge. whose uh, brother shot himself in the head. And then when I talk about how like it makes me want to shoot myself in the head, he's like, well, I kind of think that's offensive. I'm like, well... I think he has a really good point. I guess. I know that's so right. I remember after <clears> that happened, he was making jokes about suicide, and I was very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. It's like, are you okay? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like... It's a lot of responsibility to have to worry about what makes people comfortable. You know what makes me comfortable? Cuddling with you. Oh. And suicide. Suicide through cuddle. Are you just cuddle until we're dead. Side. Excited about cuddle side. No, I like cuddle side. Cuddle side is better. Participation! This is my favorite word. Mm. Yeah, is this something you guys have you talked watched about? The Handmaid's Tale? Oh, that's what it's from. Yeah. No, I should get on that. They have. Exactly what you think a participation is. It's when everybody participates in the execution. Well, isn't that just group murder? Yeah, participation. If, if it's state sanctioned, it's not murder. Yeah. I mean, it's murder in the sense of you taking a life, but it's not bad murder. It's great. This is this one. Scene. It's more like manslaughter. It's socially just. No, it's just socially just. It's like murder, murder. light. No, it's like murder, but it's okay. They come out and they like Ooh. dump all the rocks, and the one girl's like. Stoning. I hate stoning. <laughs> yeah. What is this supposed to take place? It's so good. In the future. In the I mean, future. Oh, like, right, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, when it's all about women being oppressed? Well, it's about more than that. Yeah. It's such a great It's show. a book written in the 80s, and it, ref- like, some of the characters, because my mom, she knows stuff. So she's like, this is who this person's supposed to be, and this is who that person's supposed to be. 
Like the main bad woman, yeah. Miranda Lawson from Mass Effect. I don't know her real name. Yeah, uh, she's supposed to be some famous at like right wing activist. Oh like, really? Republican woman who was all about like you should stay home and raise your kids and blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. And then like other people are supposed to be other people or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's about like the dangers of religious fundamentalism. It's about like the oppression of women, but it's just like about oppressing people generally. Because yeah. it starts off and you're like, oh, this is all about like bad stuff happening to women but it's like bad stuff for everybody because it's like yeah it's about it's classist and well and it's but it's also you know essentially when you start to dehumanize one group like everyone involved gets dehumanized it degrades human life on the whole so it's just a bummer that's yeah. it's the, what they say about people who work in prisons like it's not only does it degrade the prisoners it degrades the people who work there prisons are a terrible thing yeah but anyway i'm reading a great book about i guess i'll watch it a guard at sing sing right now mm, right yeah. mm -hmm. Very interesting. That last video. Okay, so are we excited about tonight's surprise topic? Yes. Every day of my life. But Can let's you guys not hear about it yet. Okay, let's go. Let's, let's do the movie review. Yeah. What did we watch tonight? We watched Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. And it made me lust for blood for D's. Come back to me. That was terrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I can't. So Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust is the 2000 anime film directed by. Yoshiaki Kawajiri, who did Wicked City, which we reviewed a few weeks back, and mm. this, that was his first film, this is one of his later, <laughs> much more refined films, yeah. it had a big budget, and it was a big deal because it was a sequel to the cult classic anime Vampire Hunter D, which for Western audiences was one of the first animes along with Akira <laughs> in the late 80s to get popular in the United States because it had a super stoic, badass, half-vampire, half-human, vampire hunter who looks like super pretty and carries a humongo sword and rides a cyborg horse mm -hmm. and slaughters vampires mm -hmm. with maximum prejudice. Yeah, I just so. like how all the women in all of his uh, films look a little bit like Ziggy Stardust. They're like mm -hmm. super androgynous. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's very true. And I'm super into androgynous people. Yeah. It's just, whew. Yeah, the character designs in the movie are awesome. It's like, if you've watched Ninja Scroll, or any of his other films, you get an idea. Ninja Scroll is probably the closest parallel in terms of the wildness of the designs, but this one's yeah. so much more insane and so much cooler. And when the Bloody Countess shows up, it just gets crazy and crazy cool. And her design is like easily the coolest in the movie. But we were talking while we were watching it. I've watched that movie like 15 times in high school. And I definitely thought I was going to be Meyer Link later in life. I was going to have a cool cloak and... Probably not a carriage, but I was going to talk about eternal darkness and my infinite solitude and how hard my life was, which I still do, but, you know, under a veil of sarcasm and suicide jokes. So, it's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, I, I'm not a big anime person. Mm -hmm. I thought the story was pretty cool, but I have trouble getting into anime, so... Well, I mean, if you weren't on your phone the whole time. That's not true. I was not on it the whole time. Yeah, it was a short period, considering. <laughs> he was yelling at me to get off of it. Yeah, I was. It you just, can't get into something if you don't give it your all. I, I very much enjoy the recent uh, uptick in uh, horror anime as of late. There's been like a... It, it's been maybe like the last couple of years where there's last been five. a lot. Of, yeah. Yeah, last Where, five, it, where it's really... Yeah, it's really like up the ante for horror anime because it's a very niche market there's not a whole lot there's way more like slice of life shit out there yeah but um the closest thing to modern day stuff to this would 
be the Castlevania series, which I know you haven't seen yet, but it's it's very much in the same vein, and I'm like pretty sure that like one of them copied off the other, or because the the art styles in the like even um, Symphony of the Night just very similar to Vampire Hunter D. Could have been some of the same people, because the animation house that does the stuff for this director. They did the Animatrix, one of the Animatrix short films. It's actually one of the weaker ones, unfortunately. It's called Program. The animation's gorgeous. The plot itself is like, eh, in comparison to some of the really, truly excellent Animatrix shorts. But they've also done stuff for other Western shows. I think they were the ones who animated some of the Kill Bill stuff. Yes. And uh, things like that. So it wouldn't shock me that they might have been involved with the Castlevania series. So... They probably were, but I mean, even, like, the, the old stuff, the art style, mm, mm. all the extra, like, spikes and stuff on their armor and everything, and just the very, that, that feel of almost futuristic, gothic-y, vampire, monster-hunting stuff is just yeah, super in my wheelhouse. And the, the, the series is famous because Yoshitaka Amano of Final Fantasy fame was the one who did the original covers for the book series mm-hmm. that all the movies and subsequent video games and everything else are based off of. And Yoshitaka Amano is like this incredible Japanese watercolor mm-hmm. artist whose paintings are like... They're gorgeous. They're insanely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And all of his characters, you think this is androgynous, everybody's beautiful. Everybody has like the most slender and long face mm-hmm. and these beautiful eyes and, and long noses and everything's very ethereal yeah and very cool and so this movie captures the detail that he paints in much closer than the original movie because budget technology and all the rest were were uh, much better but both of them i think capture the essence of the vampire hunter d series which is vampire hunter d is like the most stoic guy who's ever lived and he goes in these adventures and always Best, you know, his opponents and, and uh, gets paid well to do it. Gets paid well to do it. And there was something else I was going to say, but I can't remember. It's unfortunate, though, because this movie, as far as I know, is super out of print. I think they actually just grabbed the rights to a bunch of old stuff that was on Manga Core and Urban Vision, a new company did, because I know that they re released Wicked City, which we watched, and they re released Ninja Scroll. But this movie, as of a year or two ago, was selling for a lot of money on eBay, like $60 to $150 for a new, or a like new copy. Yeah. And um, there's a good reason because it's it's really well done. And the other, oh, the other thing I was going to mention was the voice acting for the English. Aside from the main chick, I don't like her voice acting, but uh, is really good. They got professional, like, B Hollywood level, but actually better than that, like A level well, voice acting. Yeah, um, I'm already forgetting his name. John, is it John DiMaggio? Yeah. John. Mark, Mark DiMaggio. Yeah, yeah Joe. It's Joe. Joe DiMaggio, one of the best voice actors out there right now. He did Bender and and Futurama and, and Jake and a ton of other time. cartoons yeah. and video games. He does Jake. Yes. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there. I don't know if it's still yeah, on Netflix, but there's a really really cool documentary all about voice actors called I Know That Voice, uh. and most of these people that you've heard their voices for decades now growing yeah. up with cartoons and stuff you finally get to see their faces and you realize how many people yeah they've uh they've played in various things like um I, man i'm just blanking on all the names i today. feel about uh, i feel that way about and he, he actually did a live action show by h john benjamin like i've been listening to his voice in comedy the obscure comedy since home movies yeah and 
from movies onto Lucy Daughter of the Devil. Lucy Daughter of the Devil, which Archer actually makes a really like under the cuff reference to. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they do an episode where they reference C Lab as well. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Anyway. And he did the crossover Archer Bob Burr, season four, episode yeah, one. So good. So good. And the the final season of Futurama, uh, Bender is or one of the characters ex- is escaping from something and Finn and Jake are chained up in a dungeon, so DiMaggio gets to play both Jake and Bender. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he also does a lot of voice work on Family Guy. He's just—he's all over the place in really good comedy, um, and he's just an he's amazing. The, he's the convenience store clerk. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. and he's so funny in that. Yeah. Oh my god. No, I—I just—I always think when I think of H. John Benjamin, I think of Coach McGurk first yeah. and foremost, because mm-hmm. that was the one of the shows that really started to like open up my mind to cartoons that didn't convey conventional plot or yeah. anything like that or and even conventional animation no, yeah, yeah and I also were uncomfortable show. and weird yeah. you know and but then once you drew you in you would really get into it and i just remember the one episode where he's at the one of the kids birthday parties he's like you kids want to play dice and like, <laughs> it's just like, his delivery of it is so good yeah. and that every time like when i think of him that's the quintessential scene yeah. of all of it and there, if you go on youtube like if you want to spend a good 10 minutes really enjoying yourself just look for like best Coach Burger clips, yeah. and every one of those compilations is just <laughs> solid freaking gold. That show, yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, now that we're off of our home movies rant, I fucking love that show. Anyway, let's move into Dick Betty's Disco Box. Yeah, we didn't even introduce ourselves. Should we oh, first? I'm Alexa. Very Flex tall. Alexa. Say it. I'm not gonna say it. Say, say it. it. Flex. Alexa. Woo! Finally! 17 episodes later. I don't know if that's how many we recorded. Probably like 15. She said it before. To my left, Ben, the Beardo. Yeah. Professor. Bengi. Bengi. Three against one. Unfair! Uh, Unfair! I thought maybe we We are the Bobberoy! You think that wasn't going to happen? I was hoping not. And then there's Dick Fetty over there. Both you guys sport in really nice looking beards. Yeah. I, I was overcome with an extreme desire to shave it off this morning. Were you? Yeah, I almost did. Yeah, I've had a few instances like that, but I'm branded now. I can't. Yeah, my problem is, like, I feel as if it's about to encroach on my credibility as, as, a, as a professional. Well, so you could. You could just trim it down. I did. I just went. I saw your lady last week. And it looks good. It's tighter on the sides and all the rest, but it's kind of like. The chin's a little long. The chin's long. And long. Oh, I like it when it's real tight to your face. Yeah, I mean, so do I. So I feel as if after I finish this trial on Thursday, I might have to take it all off. Is that like a playoff beard for you now? Kind of, yeah. I'm, but at the same time, there's a part of me that definitely wants to grow it down. But I've now had people, I've only had one person complain about it. But that has like sent me spiraling about my look and all the rest. Yeah. And I really don't want it to be an issue. Yeah. yeah, I really wanted to dye my hair to a be crazy fair, color. You are wearing a glue on now. I don't know that. On my pinky finger? That it would have. Did, did he tell you that? Yes, he did. Yeah, that was one of the many things. She didn't mention that, but I'm sure she saw it. So. My beard I couldn't get out. it off. I tried so hard. <laughs> and my nails are super thin, so I was really afraid I was going to rip off my nail. I but then I got the even they, cooler. Did they know? I glued one of my yeah, fake press-on nails. Okay. At the beginning of last episode, because that was two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's on your Instagram. I don't know if it's on the. I don't think it's on the podcast Instagram. No, it's not. It wasn't. But go ahead, dazzle us with your disco. 
Okay, so uh, basically I'm repeating a little bit of last week, not the same stuff, but in the same line. I get into moods and it's hard to get out of them. So funny enough, about two weeks ago, a little more than that, I got into this band. I was listening to the Gap Band. And it started with You Dropped a Bomb on Me, which is an incredible song. Drop a bomb on me. Yeah. Baby. baby. Yeah, it's really good. Mm -hmm. Th they, those are three brothers in that band. Yeah. And they were from Oklahoma. Oklahoma brothers. I, I, when I like it, something I learn about it. That's just who I am as a person. I won't remember a client's name, but I can tell you about the Gap Band, like, a lot now. But uh, that's not the point. I was on Spotify after listening to that song and it brought me into this station. I wound up with this band called the SOS Band and uh, it was a sexy song called uh, No One's Gonna Love You Like I Do and I really liked it. So I started checking them out and over the past two and a half weeks I've been listening to a lot of it and my first two recommendations are their 1983 album On The Rise and their 1984 album Just The Way You Like It. Uh, specifically, both the, sound like they're about penis. Yeah, yeah. All of their songs and albums are basically about the transience of love and relationships and polyamory and Is this all what this. We were listening to the other night. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole song where she was like, you know, just make me your number one. I don't care who you fuck. No, it's just the way you like it. You can do anything you want. You know, as long as you can do whatever you want, just the way you like it. To me, just come back to me, and yeah. And then the other song, the big one on on the rise, the hit single song was, um, oh geez, now I can't remember it. It will come back to me. But uh, <laughs> this is your whole segment, Frank. We can't come back to you. We're always on you. Oh, did I say your name? No, no. I had just radio. Edit. You gotta be able to take it. I'm taking it. I'm oh, just yeah. giving you hard looks. You guys are the ones who are struggling. I'm fine. I'm over here. I'm smiling. Yeah. I'm in it. Anyway, so it's fun because I wouldn't say that the lyrics send a bad message. It's just not a message I identify with for the most part. But as we talk, yeah, as we talked <laughs> yeah. about, polyamory works for somebody, some people. Well, I don't and, know uh, who, who did the song or who was even the name of it, but it's like... Uh, 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 you, uh, I want to use your love, or, oh, fuck it, you know what, never mind, I'm not, I'm not going to talk anymore. Yeah, so, um, Just Be Good To Me, that's the other song, from On The Rise, mm -hmm. and it's all about how, you know, this guy's banging all the other girls and whatever, and she doesn't really care, just be good to me, mm -hmm. but the beat is outrageously funky, and the, the sounds themselves co-convalesce into this sexual boogie experience, and uh, it's really, it's, it's something phenomenal. And um, I highly recommend both records. Just the way you like it starts off with No One's Gonna Love You Like I Do, which is way more down-tempo and probably my favorite song by them that I've heard thus far. But they're both great records. They're on Spotify. They're super dirt cheap on Discogs. They were like big mixture of disco, funk, and like soul and R&B. And the other thing that makes them really fantastic is they use almost exclusively the Roland 808 and 909 drum machines, which is a legendary sound. And also their music's been sampled by hundreds of hip-hop artists. So as soon as you start to listen, the one song is 
like the beginning of it is the beginning of Peso by ASAP Rocky. There's a bunch of other, I can't remember the other bands who've sampled them since, but it's great. Check it out if you want to have sex or listen to a good time that makes you feel like you're having sex. I like both of those things. Yeah. Those are good things. Mm, my nails fell off. Mm. my glue. Uh, the other recommendation I have is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, which is a techno artist named Pris, and uh, he does the same kind of monochrome, grayscale techno that Shifted does, and not surprisingly is on Shifted's label Avian. He put out two releases in 2016. First, This Heavy Heart, which I thought was released on the 14th of February 2016, which is actually the incept date of Pris, the android pleasure bot from the original Blade Runner, played by Daryl Hannah, and the name is a reference to the same. And then the second EP, Love, Labor, Loss, was released later that year. What's interesting to me is listening to both of the records, they switch between techno and then basically rhythmless drone pieces, and the drone pieces have a very similar sound to what was the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack, but came out a year before that movie was released, a year and a half. So it was unintentional, but effective nonetheless in summoning the imagery of that movie in my mind when I listened. Really, really good stuff. Way less, mm, how can I say it? There's a lot more to latch onto. There are not exactly melodies, but there are definitely brighter notes than most shifted releases. So if you're into grayscale techno, but you need some tinge of humanity, this might be your go-to. He's got a couple other records out on his own label that I'm very interested to check out now, but I waited on these records. I don't know why. I love Blade Runner and I love techno, but now that I got them, I am uh, super thrilled with my purchase. So that is my disco box recommendation. Dick Fetty's Disco Box. I'll be uh, posting the details for those releases with the podcast information soon when this gets posted, as I've been doing with all the old episodes as well, so that if you're interested, all the label and release date info is there for you to explore it on your own time. Hell yeah. Love it. Alright, you guys ready? Every day of my life. Okay, so I thought I would do something not so different and a little on theme, but I thought that I would focus on... Fisting. Not fisting. Menstruation. Not menstruation. Very good ideas, though. I like that we're all fisting thinking. Fisting a girl during menstruation. No. While she queefs. <laughs> it's like a tube. Blood fart. Okay, so <laughs> I wanted to focus on survivor stories. People who survived crazy events or horrible attacks. Um, you may oh. have heard of the wonderful show, I've Survived. It's awesome. There's six seasons, I think, now. They focus on, like, three stories each episode. Um, and in the spirit of... I mean, what's really wonderful about this show is the way they focus on the survivors themselves. So, like, they don't even talk or say the names of the attackers or anything until, the, like, the last three minutes. And then they just, like, let it go. And I by, the like, name, his, by the way, his name was... 
Steve Jurgensen. <laughs> if you know Steve Jurgensen, call our tip line. So I think it's really beautiful that they do that and they give a lot of power back to the victim. And um, kind of like that whole horrible thing that just happened with the with Larry Nasser. Yeah, that yeah. Piece of well, and that's the whole thing. Garbage. Like his name is flying, and it's funny because I was going to do the story of Mary Vincent, but if we have time at the end and we're lacking, I'll tell it from memory because it's like you can't forget it. It's Mary Vincent. Mary Vincent was on an episode of I Survive, but she's like a really famous. Um, Marlo's gonna get like a tattoo of her. It's, it's dope. But I'll, I'll save it. But I went and I googled her to kind of look up her story, and the first thing that popped up was Larry Singleton's Wikipedia, the guy who did it to her. And I was like, really? Like, so, which I get in a lot of ways, yeah. you know. But we're we're generally more interested in the killers and the survivors. The mind of a killer is yeah, like a barbed wire maze. That wasn't. Eh. That wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible, but. So, I picked a random episode. I was trying not to be... I, I had another woman in mind, Sarah Brady, who, if again, if we run out of time... I'll is she Tom Brady's wife? She she's survived not. that potato head-looking motherfucker? No, that was good, though. That was a good one. Thanks. Um, piece of human garbage. I picked a random one, and it turned out to be awesome. So, I figured I could do this one of two ways. There's three different stories. I can do it like the episode did. And... You're gonna put on a deep voice? <laughs> no, and... That's when it got real. And, the, and do it like... Um, tell Do the first. Do it the way you want to. Well, I want to get your input because I wasn't sure what look what would be cooler. Like I could do the first part and then skip to the next story and do the first part of that and then skip to the next part of the story. One story at a time. That sounds story way story too yeah. hard. All right. Well, I'm already confused. Then I'm gonna save this one and I'm gonna start Who with survived? one. That's that's part of it. All of the people involved. I hate to like give it away at the beginning, but like every person we talk about is going to survive. But that's the point. We're, that's we're the here point. to talk about the survivors. We're focusing on survivors this episode, so I'm gonna start with the non-brutal attack. Okay. I'm gonna start with Jason. Is this the one where a grizzly bear came at him? No. And then the guy, because I think I've seen this show, because the yeah. guy got attacked by a grizzly bear. It was him and his dad. And the grizzly bear went to get his dad, and he shot the, the grizzly bear in the heart with a crossbow. It was like a one in a million shot, and the grizzly bear fell dead right as it like was about to be on his dad. I love it when you dope. get your I'm a five-year-old telling a story voice <laughs> on. It's do. the best. That is really cute. What voice? I don't care about anything. And then, and then this happened. I do the same thing. We'll start with Jason. Um, Sorry, I'm like already stealing her topic. Okay, so this is March 2012. This is in Pekin, Indianapolis. Mm. Wait, in <laughs> Indiana. Indianapolis is not a state. It's a city. It's a city. I've been there. Pekin, Indiana. Like, is there a lot of pecans there? Is there a pecan uh, pie there? It's spelled P-E-K-I-N. Oh, Pekin. 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 It's probably some uh, Native American word. So, Jason, living his life. He recently moved into a double-wide mobile home mm -hmm. with his girlfriend, who Moving was a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, he, it was a small town of um, about a hundred people, a couple hundred people. It was really small, and he lived right outside the town. He lived right across the street from a um, mobile park home where there was only like seven or eight different mobile homes. And he, so he wasn't even in the park. He just had his own. He had his own double side of the street, double wide his own land. On his yeah. own land, he was a man of his own. So um, I like he, this guy, Jason. Jason Fox. Yeah, Jason totally Fox. He had a girlfriend, but maybe and a double wide. If you know what I'm saying. Whoosh. I don't know. No, is that a butt? Thing That's a simulated high five. Yeah. No, no I knew what that. I'm talking about his peen. Okay, yeah. double wide. I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah, like a tuna can. Oof. That's like, 
Okay. It's all about girth. So he knew bad weather was coming. They've been talking about it. Is that the name of a gangster? <laughs> Stick bad weather coming. Mm, I pictured 20, 20s. Bad um, moons are rising. So he was at home watching the news for like several hours. This is going to be one of those episodes. Oh, yeah, bad moon on the rise. Wait, wait, are you just mad because you're not the one singing over everybody no. this time? What am I singing over, people? Change <laughs> is coming. Okay. That was actually really necessary, that doing? episode. Yeah. That, was, that was so brutal. Give the child in my heart, rise above. So where am I in the story? Bad weather. Bad weather's coming. And but he bad knew it. on the hatches. But he knew, he wasn't like super afraid, but it looked like on the on the weather, <laughs> this is kind of funny, he was like, it doesn't seem to be coming near us at all. And then so he got up and opened the door and there's literally like a black wall of debris. Like the tornado is literally about to hit them. And he was like, oh shit, okay, no, it's going to hit us. Um, so it's just like, right so he sees it and he starts screaming tornado as loud as he can and <laughs> tornado do you get in an earthquake well, in your trailer or that <laughs> okay or is so that an earthquake that's an earthquake he hears a loud scream you have a uh, seat belts in your couch they just strap into because what if the couch it's gonna destroy that trailer man <laughs> no so his neighbor um he it was his neighbor mariah her name was mariah oh Mary or mariah like ben's wife Mariah like Ben's wife. Am I? Do you not know how to spell my wife's no, name? No, I know. It was actually M O. But they Mariah. were pronounced but they were pronouncing it Mariah. Mariah. Okay. So Joe was twenty one. This is these are his neighbors. Uh, Mariah was twenty one. They had three kids. Damn, starting the, early. The youngest of which was um two months. They had a fifteen month old and they had a three year old. Uh Angel was fifteen months. Um Jaden was three years old. I didn't get the name of the youngest. You can tell they live in a trailer park. <sighs> Jaden, you were gonna say something like that at well, some point. It's a cultural thing. It's not. It's not necessarily bad, but it's just, you know, I don't know. You know what? Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna avoid racism. I'm not gonna say nothing. Okay. So um, I don't even know their race. I'm not he, making a racist comment. I love trailer park boys. It wasn't. So he calls them, <laughs> and he's like. You guys need to get into my house. Like, you're in an actual trailer. Like, you need to come into my home. And so, so Mariah grabs one of the kids. Joe goes back in the trailer, grabs the other two kids, and they all run into his house. Now, I imagine I'm in my single-wide trailer, and some double-wider calls me. He's like, you got to get in a real home. And you're like, oh, Mr. Fancy Pants with his double-ride thinks that he somehow got a real home because his trailer twice as big as mine. I ain't got a real home. He ain't got a real home. Mine's got wheels. I will literally ride this tornado out. I just yeah. want to note that two seconds ago you said you weren't going to be. That's not racist. That's not racist. Right. We're white. Right. Yeah. That's a white accent. And that's, it's, just right. a, it's just an accent. I just wanted to point it out. Well, I don't know what you're pointing out because okay. I think we're, you're missing the point completely. So they all run into Patrick's house. Yeah, and he tells them to get in the hallway, lay on their stomachs, like, get down. Um, so he can hear it hitting the house, but he's saying, like, in the episode, he's like, I'm not afraid of storms. I'm, like, the last one to get inside the house, so I thought I'd go and take a picture of it real quick. <laughs> so he goes up, and he opens the door, to take, and he has his camera ready, and he literally sees the tornado, he says, eating his garage. 
So it's like in there. Tornado's favorite food. Um so he didn't have time to take the picture, obviously. So he slams the door and he jumps on top of everyone else, basically. <laughs> and he like goes like this. Crowd surf! <laughs> so he starts hitting the house and shaking it. And all the glass is blowing up. And while they're laying there, he literally feels the fucking floor lift up underneath him. The house starts fucking going airborne while they're all inside of it. Uh-huh. So if a cuddle puddle is airborne, does that make it a cuddle cloud? Ooh. Okay. That was a real high five. Um, so basically it starts spinning super fast. Yeah, and they're like five feet off the ground and he blacks out. Um, Should've been drinking so much. So then when he comes to... <laughs> yeah, this tornado got me torn up! When he comes to, the house is basically torn apart and he realizes he's 50 feet above the ground. He's in the middle of the fucking funnel of the tor- tornado, like, looking down. He's only awake for, like, two or three seconds. And he's like, holy shit. And he blacks out again. And the next thing is he wakes up face down in the mud. And he doesn't know who he is or, like, what, like what's going on. And he can't move. He's in a lot of pain. Um, and it was raining. And he's, like, he just, like, couldn't stand up. So police officer finds Jason in the mud. Helps him up and walks him into a sawmill. Um, and he sits there and he, like, can't remember his name and he's in so much pain and he's, like, trying to just focus on what his name is. And after a few minutes, like, right, he said right as he remembered his name, he remembered, oh my god, the neighbors. He was like, I was with the neighbors, like, you need to find them, there's three kids, there's, uh, two adults. One of them's Jaden. Jaden's <laughs> cool. So it turns out he was thrown 400 feet from the tornado. Um... So, like, when he tells people the neighbors are out, like, the police go and scatter and start looking for them. Um, so he's taken to the hospital. His arm was broken in seven places. Yikes. He had five broken ribs, Oof. a broken collarbone, and a broken back. Gee wizard. Yeah. But he was walking? I mean, the adrenaline probably. But, I mean, he wasn't paralyzed. He wasn't paralyzed, no. So he got super lucky. Well, yeah. Um, so the first thing that came to him was that he was alive um, to... Two days later, after he was in the hospital, he finds out that Angel, the 15-month-old, 15, 15 is alive. Wow. But that, Aww. Joe, Mariah, and the other two kids died. <laughs> Not appropriate. Not appropriate! Um, and then, a day after that, they take... Oh, go ahead, no, oh, yuck, no. yuck it up! <laughs> yuck it up, dead kids! I know how much this makes you no. guys laugh. <laughs> I'm laughing because Dick Vader's just like, <laughs> and you're like, you just gave him like, you're just staring daggers into him. Not the first time. So I'm immune. The other, so they all die. Yeah. The three kids and the parents. What about died. his girlfriend? Um, she was at her job. Oh, good for her. Yeah, so she survived. Um, See, if you're a working woman, you life. will survive. She was yeah. a teacher. Oh. Um, teaching kids how to have sex. So he felt. He was talking about how he felt, like, an insane amount of responsibility and guilt. Because he was, like, you know, basically, like, if they had stayed in their trailer, they would have been hit, too. Because that was destroyed, too, like, after, in the aftermath. He's, like, but, like, I was the one who told them to come over there. And I was all this different stuff. So they were thrown, like, 150 feet out of the tornado and died. And, and but they, the infant lived. 
No, she did, got taken off life support a day later. Oh. You missed that because you were laughing. You did? Did you say that? Yes, hey. I said that while you guys were giggling at each other. Right when I said, yuck it up, dead kids. Listen. I missed it. Uh, don't even be like, Ben was laughing at dead kids. I was laughing at <laughs> Dick Fetty's adorable <laughs> face. And your adorable face being so angry at his adorable face. So they ask you at the end, why do you think you survived? And he said, I survived because of an absolute miracle. Like, there's there's no way I should have survived. Strong that. bones. Can you believe yeah. that? He got thrown fucking... Well, did he eat a lot of marshmallows? I don't know. Was he overweight? No. Very skinny dude. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Indiana is, uh... Well, there are parts of it that are nice. I'm not a big fan of, uh... What's that? Geary... Gary, 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 Gary yeah, Indiana. that's a shit city. Gary, Indiana, Gary. And there's Indiana, another one, Gary, not Indianapolis, but what's the other one? There's yeah. another one that's really terrible. I was there recently, and I'm like, this is. It was a, a Camden in the Midwest, but they don't talk like down south. That no. debutante accent that I affect from time to time. That's not Midwest. Just sounds like I do. Yeah. I'm from the Midwest. Sounds like nothing. So that's survivor number one. Jason from Indiana. I like this guy. Do mm-hmm. we get a picture? Um, I should have screenshotted. Question for you. Is, yes. Is there a place where um, you can watch these streaming or do you just have to catch so, new episodes? So I was able to find a bunch of episodes for free on dailymotion.com. Um, I, the one I was originally looking for, the one with Sarah Brady, mm-hmm. you had to like log in through your cable provider, um, which if I had asked Frank, he would have given me the info, but I uh, just didn't feel like my identity's been stolen, and I didn't even tell you about the $500 of iPhone 10s that were purchased on my non-existent Comcast mobile account. They ordered five iPhone 10s. Yeah. Just really? Way more than five. Yeah, and, they, well, no, but they were, I think they were, like, the price for also having the plane and whatever. Like, uh, they would have had to pay way yeah. more, but it would have been an initial $500 charge. So, yeah, so last Sunday I get an email at 4 in the morning, two emails about my order is complete for Comcast Mobile, and I'm like, so I asked Alexa in the morning, I'm like, did you order a movie or something? Like, did you use my Comcast? She said no. And then after an hour and a half of phone calls, it wasn't Big Butt Sluts 9, it was some doucher who used their own card, <laughs> probably, but the, the, the long and short of it is, I think I'm okay. But when I spoke to the woman at Comcast, one of the women I spoke with, she was like, oh yeah, our accounts get hacked all the time. She was like, but it's all right, because they just send the phones to your house, so if anything, they'll just wait at your house for the phones to arrive. I was like, that doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> so what I'm going to need you to do is call the police and have them wait at your house. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it should be somebody who already knows you and is here every other Tuesday or something. Anyway. All right. Are you guys ready for number two? Every day. You like this topic? I do. Yeah, it's love fun? It. Yeah, okay. yeah, this is great. Okay. This is like the news one, but even better. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is Patrick. I didn't grab the last name. Pick the last dude, huh? The, the last one is an amazing woman named Rhonda, and I'm so excited. So Rousey? Rhonda. No. Because she barely survived that fight. Am I right? Yeah. I'm is that still current? And I, am I up to That was current kids? like three years ago. Okay. This is November 2008. This is Jupiter, Florida. Okay? Sounds nice. Probably a ship place. Right, okay. It is Florida. So Patrick is a defense attorney, right? Been there. He is married to Lisa, a realtor. Uh, Lisa just found out she's pregnant. 
So he's like, they're like super stoked. He said they had amazing chemistry and they were overjoyed when they got pregnant and blah, blah, blah. How long have they been together? Um, for a Two bit, days. they were married. Uh, Florida, uh, Florida, Florida long. Oh. Or, you know, two days. Sorry to those Florida listeners out there. Oh, wait, you don't get Wi-Fi in a swamp. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Unless you're in Miami. Love you, Miami. Yeah. It's mostly Cuban. Listen to that's us, awesome. Dan. Yeah, Cuban's probably going to like this shit. Dan, we love you. shaking the table. Okay. Fires are big ones. Sorry. So, Lisa had a twin sister, and they were super close, thick as thieves, right? Okay. Do you want to make a lesbian joke? Well, or? we all know what twin sisters do. Okay. When they're thick yeah. as thieves. Thirsties. And everyone knows thoughts. thieves is code for <laughs> no. Yeah. Thick as thick thoughts. Is, That's the name of this episode. Thick as thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she had the twin sister, right? Yeah, right and they're, they're really close. But they have the um, an older so. brother. Thick. Thick. They have an older brother who's estranged from the family, right? Uh-huh. Is He's, his name Brisa? They, they well we're getting to it. So he doesn't really show up for anything. Um, the extended family didn't really like him, and he was really resentful against the sisters. Like, he used to literally, he had a history of irrational and threatening behavior towards family members. He used to, like, beat the shit out of his little sisters. Yeah, um, not, like, fun, older brother bullying, like, yeah. actually assault them. Um, so his parents were really hopeful that, like, over time he would get better, and they wanted to include him, but he was just, like, too crazy. Well, and also he wouldn't show up. So, whatever. It's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Everyone is gathered together at Lisa's cousin's house. Um, and everyone's eating dinner. And the phone rings. And Lisa's father gets up and starts talking and giving directions to someone. And after a while, they realize he's talking to... The dad is talking to the brother. And... He's kind of like, oh my god, he invited your brother. So the parents like had invited the brother, wanting him to come without any of the family's knowledge, and they were kind of like, well, that's really weird. We don't want to see him, but like whatever, he's coming over. So um, people were like uneasy, but you know, hoping for the best. Um, so he came in and greeted everyone, um, and everyone like greeted him with love. They were like, welcome. These are people he hasn't seen in like ten years in some cases, and they're all like welcoming him. He meets his. So the brother isn't the husband. That's the twist I was hoping for. No. Different person. The brother is with the husband. Huh? I She's not secretly married to her. Yeah, no. That's not the twist. This, this is, is important. This is not, yeah. This is. So brother, not old, sister. Older brother banks twin younger sister. Yeah. Oh, God. Other twin watches. Okay. Click and favorite. <laughs> <laughs> So this little six-year-old Michaela like runs up to him. It's his cousin. He's literally never met her in her life. She's like, "Hi, I'm Michaela." Da, da, da. So um, they he comes like right as dessert's happening. So they sit down. They have dessert. They put Michaela to bed, and then everybody gets ready to leave. I hate whatever's about to happen. You think it's just gonna be a fun family reunion? I think that they're gonna have a nice night watching. He's just not that into you, drinking some wine and maybe some boning. Yeah. They don't drink wine in Florida. All they have is schlitz. Boss wine. Fine. And meth. Okay. So, the brother's standing in the kitchen by himself, and pa- Patrick goes to say goodbye. And the voices tell me to kill. So, he, like, leans the in. The voices tell me to kill! <laughs> he leans in, and he goes to shake his hand, and he's like, bye. And the brother, like, pulls him in and goes, why don't you stay a little longer? And, um... 
he's kind of like, no, we're tired, we're gonna go. And he turns to get the food, and next thing he hears, pop, 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 right? And he feels like he's been punched in the stomach. Oof. So, what do you think happened, guys? Brother busted out popcorn maker. Started making popcorn. It went off. And he's got PTS stomach D because popcorn really upset him when he was drinking when he was younger. And, and then I, afterwards, I they watched He's Just Not That Into no. With popcorn. No. With popcorn. He got shot in the stomach. Ooh, that's so good. So, Patrick and his sister-in-law, Carla, the twin sister, were in the kitchen. So, Patrick realizes he's been shot in the stomach. He looks down and he sees Carla on one knee. And when he looks up, like he's holding food and shit, um, he looks up and Lisa's brother is straight pointing a gun right, right at his head. Mm. And um, Shoots him in the head. So, um, so he throws the food in the air like real fast and deflects. Oh, it's like that scene in fucking True Romance where they throw the coke up in the air. Maybe. He deflects the shot. And he sort of just wildly is shooting, and so he's shot in the stomach, but he grabs Carla and gets her out of the kitchen, they move into the dining room. He's a fucking hero. Yeah, dude, he's fucking awesome. So, he Florida, starts screaming, back. he starts screaming, he's got a gun, call 911. How do they not know at this point? Yeah, well, the brother turns around, steps over, um, Patrick. steps over Patrick, and then again points the gun right in his face. So the gun's in his face. But he doesn't want to get shot in the head, obviously. So he starts just, like, moving his head. <laughs> Swear to God, he gets two bullet holes through each side of his collar. That's wow. how fucking close. He was, like, shot in the collar, it's shot like in the collar. stampede. Yeah, he's shot in the stomach, just, like, moving his head around. Um, What's that, that, head? Is that like how you play Nightcrawlers? Yeah, I don't know. It's a really fun game. I almost stopped playing it. <laughs> so, he, so he's, like, dodging the headshots and... The brother gets frustrated and he turns away and he goes back into the kitchen and starts shooting at everyone else. So, um, being afraid he might get shot again, Patrick starts crawling all the way um, through the dining room into the living room and then he's like leaving. Oh, and now it's like that scene in Die Hard where he's under the table and the other guy's on top of the table. You've never seen Die Hard. I haven't, no. You've never seen Die Hard? Yeah, Die Hard. She's not really a person. So... People are screaming and running, and in the other room, the brother's screaming, I've waited 20 years to do this. <laughs> like, My guy holds a grudge. So, Patrick has no idea where Lisa is. Somewhere in there, there's Lisa's a good joke about, like, revenge being a dish best served cold because he threw the food up there. Right, 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 we'll right, we'll right, get back, right, get back right, to right, me, right, get back to right. me. I'll just splice that in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he throws the food. Revenge is a dish but best served cold. <laughs> <laughs> So, um... I am. I got it. He goes, Revenge is a, di is a dish best served cold. And he goes, Serve this! And then throws the food in the air. No. No. That's he it. throws gazpacho on him. <laughs> that's a cold That's, that's a, cold a cold soup. soup. I yep. get it. Yeah. Okay. Um, we should reenact this for the Instagram. We really should. I'll get a gun. No, no, no. You don't need a gun. I got a gun. No, no guns. This is how one of us accidentally gets shot. Yeah. Accidentally. Accidentally. <laughs> You guys trying to kill me so you no. can be together no. finally? What if we don't need to do that? Uh, we're, we're not home right. all the time. Yeah. Okay. He only lives a mile away. Yeah. In a tent. In a tent. <laughs> so, um, he has no idea where Lisa is, the pregnant wife. Carla is injured in the kitchen doorway. So, the brother um, hops over Carla, starts running down the hallway towards Patrick, and Patrick just plays dead. He's like, I'm not trying to get shot again, so he's just laying there limp. 
and he just runs by him and straight into the room of the six-year-old girl, Michaela. And Patrick is like, no, fuck, 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 fuck. Um, but before he can do anything, he hears the gun go off. Patrick walks out of the kid's room, then walks back into the kid's room and shoots the girl again to make sure she's actually dead. So, and then he runs to the door. And um, Patrick starts to come to, and he realizes he doesn't hear any noise. Like, Carla had been moaning in the kitchen, and she died. So, like, she stopped making noise. And there was literally no other noise in the house. And at this part, point, he's like... Once the ringing in my head stopped, like, the silence got so loud, like, he's, like, pouring blood, and he's, like, oh, my God, I'm gonna fucking die. There's nobody here but, like, dead bodies. Like, no one can fucking help me. So, again, he doesn't know where Lisa was. He says the silence is so thick and heavy, and he just sat there and thought about how he wouldn't be able to survive. Um, but then he hears, like, thundering footsteps come into the house. And it's cops, and he hears them yelling, like, fatal, 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 as they come across, like, each dead body. And then he's like, I've got one that's alive, and they run up to him, and they're like, hang in there. So he gets rushed to the hospital and put into an induced coma. So the gunshot ruptured his stomach and intestines. Um, he got mono, uh, pneumonia? Pneumonia. Pneumonia. He got pancreatitis. One of his kidneys stopped working, and he had so many infections because... He ate a huge Thanksgiving meal, and the guy shot him in the stomach, and all the food, like, yeah, yeah. out, and whatever. Especially if he shot in the bowels, all yeah. that nasty septicemia. Yeah. So, after three months, he was woken up from his coma. Alive? Alive. And his parents... No, he woke up dead. His, <laughs> his parents came to visit, and his brother came Game to visit. Over. I'm here to finish what... What's the guy's name? Jason? Patrick. No, no, the guy who was shooting... Oh, we haven't gotten there yet. Michaela? No, that was the little girl that died. <laughs> you feel better about the joke? No. Okay. I didn't know. It was just picking names that came to mind. It was the last survivor and the dead girl. So, on the third day of him waking up, a priest comes to pray with him, and the priest says something like, and let her watch over him, let her be his guardian angel. Uh-huh. And he, like, looked up. Because he just assumed Elisa hadn't come to the hospital because she was, like, five or six months pregnant and couldn't be around the infections. And, like, he looked up at his mom and was like, does he need Lisa? And the mom starts crying. And he, like, breaks down. He said it was the lowest point of his life. Obviously, like, his wife. So if Lisa, her unborn child, Carla, Michaela, and Lisa's aunt, Raymond, um, were all killed. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Lisa's brother, Paul, Mary... Mirhaj, that's what his name was, Paul. Um, which is another reason why I love this show. Because they focus on the survivors and they never get the person's name until the end. So he was Except the tornado one. Yeah. Fuck the They were like tornado tornado right right away. away, You know? So the they focus on um so they find him five days later at a Florida Keys resort. Um, Woo! No, not five days later. After a five-week manhunt, they uh, find him there. So I'll never vacation. Mm. So he's convicted of first-degree murder and received seven life sentences. And they ain't got the kill penalty in uh, Florida of all places. I thought they had the gas chamber. And they had the electric chair. That's where Bundy was killed, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was why being a serial killer in Florida was such a dumb idea in the 80s and 90s. Because, uh... What's your face? Isn't Eileen Morno's dead? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They shocked her. They put her to death, yeah. Yeah. No, she... 
I think she died by lethal in injection. That's what I was saying. Well, that's what the gas chamber is. It's not like the Auschwitz gas chamber. It's like... Uh, well, no, they used to have actual gas chambers. They did. Oh. I'm getting confused. I'm, but I meant lethal injection. Yeah. Well, Patrick, when asked why he survived, he said he survived because of the positive outlook he's always had in life. He now lectures on living with trauma and like travels around and talks about his experience. It's got to be others. such a mixed thing. I feel like yeah. it's nice to have... I would think it would be nice to have the power over your trauma in the sense of like using yeah. it for something positive, but it seems like such a horrible thing to relive on a regular basis. Well, I think it's... It is. What do you do with that experience? And, like, yeah. all, some people... Just break. Break, and other people are like, there's a reason this happened to me, and I'm going to fucking use it and harness it, and, like... Yeah, but see, I can't, I can't abide by that whole concept that there's a reason for things in life. I, on, like, a general level, I think that's complete bullshit. Like, we're all just spinning in a void, and there's no reason for nothing. But more importantly... I, like, I guess if that's what helps you deal with the situation, then whatever works for you. But, like, people suck, you know? People yeah. fucking suck, and gun... You know what? We shouldn't even go into it. So, so anyway... I, no, I think what... I think you make a really good point, and but what is most important is, like, people deal with shit in different ways. Yeah, people process Like, Mary Vincent, which if we have time, I'll get into her story, like, didn't tour and talk about her experience. She, yeah. She, and, you know, that's how she chose it. She just went on with her life, so... Yeah, um, but update um it has to be a unanimous decision by the jury ah for you to get the death penalty was and it was it that he was in mentally troubled or something well everyone in the like because you know they're they, yeah no, i get it yeah yeah i mean i if i'm assuming or hypothesizing it would be yeah where she had some mental issues yeah that he wasn't he wasn't necessarily yeah. a bundy but no, I mean, I don't want to get too political or anything, but I do think that, like, you hear a story like that, and it's sort of, what did, what did they, what did he have? They never go into that. They don't? They, they never. Yeah, so, I mean, it seems like he probably, it sounds like he had some kind of handgun, and, you know, I know that we know people, and, I mean, I think guns are cool, and they're fun to shoot and all the rest, but I just don't really see a reason why civilians should have guns, and I know that there are different opinions on that, but from my perspective, it's just like... You know, it takes a lot to stab somebody. A gun is a much more impulsive weapon, and I just don't see any benefit to anybody having one. But, yeah, no. I think she was asking for a high five. Oh. I agree with you. So. I think we should go back to the way of the sword. Yeah. Let's I mean, sometimes kids dying from tornadoes is funny, but when you hear about, like, a six-year-old getting shot like that just sucks like that's not good no i don't, know. I don't like that well let's talk about my girl rhonda because this story is talking about it is so good and she's such a badass and i love her so this is pensacola florida oh this is may 1988 okay so rhonda is just finished her first year of college. She's working. She's going to be 19 in two days. She's 18. Mm. She's working at a cocktail waitress at a five-star restaurant. She's making good money. Yeah. Uh, so she gets off and her... <laughs> okay. She gets work. off from work and her coworker's like, hey, do you want to walk or I, uh, walk to your car? And she's like, no, I'm fine. She's like, I was all sassy and confident. She was like, I was just like, no, I'll be fine. So she walks to her car and... As she's like getting her keys out, this guy pops out of nowhere and is like, Give me a ride. 
And she's like, she was like, I was all sassy, and she was like, I'm not giving you a fucking ride. Like, get a, get the fuck away from me. Yeah. And so she goes to put the keys to unlock her car, and she feels something cold come up against her, and he's the, ghost the guy is a popsicle. It's a ghost dick. Yeah. Well, the guy <laughs> is in her ear, and he's like, you're gonna give me a fucking ride. And she looks down, and she realizes it's a knife, and she sort of freezes. So this ends with like her just dropping him off at like a laundromat. He's like, no, "Thank you." No, and Arby's. And Arby's. So she froze, panics. He opens the door. He pushes her into the passenger side, and he gets in the driver's side. <laughs> That's then you're driving yeah, yourself. Yeah. Then right. he's giving her a ride. So he doesn't he know. He takes her to Arby's. Yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome. He doesn't know how to drive a five-speed, so <laughs> they start, and they're, like, lurching all over the place, yeah. and she's kind of, like... planned poorly. She's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm just going home. I just want to get home. He's like, I'll let you have your car back as soon as I get home, trying to keep her calm. And her mind is, like, racing, and she's thinking, how do I get out of this? So the first red light, she realizes it's her chance to get away. Yeah. So she throws open the door and tries to go out, and he grabs her hair. And he fucking yanks her back in the car and is like, you're not fucking going anywhere. Shut the door, shut the door. And she she was just like, I don't know why I did, but I got back in and I shut the door. I obeyed him. Um, and, and then that, he had one of those like Morgan Freeman voices where he yeah. sued the kitten. Sued the fussy. You're not sure going anywhere. Sure shut the door. So she says, literally, it's a quote. She was like, it's when I realized like he didn't just want the car. He wanted me. So she went into survival mode. And she's, like, assuming she's going to get raped, and she's telling herself, like, just remember every detail of his face, like, he's definitely going to rape me, but, like, I'll just remember it, and I'll report it later, and... Yeah, the swamp police. Yeah. are going to do nothing. <laughs> so she starts thinking about how her and her brother used to fight when you were younger, and how the brother used to tell her to defend herself, and she's saying, okay, if he comes near me, I'm going to put my cigarette out in his eyes, so she, like, lights a cigarette, and he pulls down this, like, dark road like basically into the middle of nowhere into a forest and he's like i live right behind these woods i just don't want you to see where i live and then you can have your car back so he gets out of the driver's side and so she gets out of the car and she goes to go around to the driver's side and he runs up behind her and she said she felt like she got punched in the back and the air gets knocked out of her and he sort of like punches her in the back she falls down, he flips her over, and he just starts, like, wailing on her, like, punching her again and again and again. She do one face. of these? This is how you protect. Yeah, I think she tried. So her brain is like, this is it, you gotta fucking fight. So she tries to put the cigarette out of his eye, but she misses. And she's fighting, and she's scratching, and she's hitting, but it's only making him more fucking mad. But she's, like, fighting for her fucking life. So at this point, he takes a knife, he stabs her, and he collapses one of her lungs. Mm. And um, she can't breathe, and she like just starts praying, and she's like, "Dude, seriously, I'm too young to die." <laughs> so he, and this is like, it's crazy the way she thought about it, but he starts cutting her underwear, and she knows he's about to rape her. She starts fighting back as hard as she can. She's like fighting and kicking and pulling his hair, and she's fighting and fighting. So he like goes up behind her and gets her in a chokehold and just starts choking her like and she's like gasping for air one of her lungs is collapsed at this point yeah she's like seeing spots um and she's trying and trying to like suck in air and she can't and um she said it felt like minutes and she's like grabbing onto his arm trying to pull it off she's like i'm gonna die i can't breathe and then she passes out so as soon as she comes to again she just immediately starts fucking fighting like she immediately regains consciousness and tries to kick the shit out of this guy but he's on the ground at this point, and he has the knife to her throat, and she's like, I still have scars from when he was holding the knife to my throat and he was raping me. But she was like, 
the rape wasn't the biggest part of it. She was like, the rape fucking brought bought me time. Yeah. So, like, while he was preoccupied with that, I could think of a way to get out of this. Which I was like, fucking hey, dude. Like, that... Bad bitch. It's what a bad bitch. So he finishes raping her, and she's like, okay, he's done. Maybe he'll just go away. So she starts crawling to try and get back to the car. Um, but, like, all of her strength were gone, was gone. So he comes up behind her, and, like, as she's crawling back to the car, and pulls her by the hair again. And flips her over and starts hitting her, and then he just starts stabbing her over and over and over again. Um, and once he's done stabbing her, he puts her in another chokehold, trying to finish her off, and she can't breathe at all. And she's praying, like, I'm too young to die, please don't let me die, please help me. And she loses consciousness, and she comes to again. So he thinks she's dead, so he starts walking away. So not really thinking she just starts crawling again and he turns around and is like oh shit she's still alive so he comes back over and starts stabbing her again and like again and again and again and again you gotta figure he's getting tired by this yo point. and she was saying she actually laughed at one point and was like he must have been thinking like when is this bitch gonna die like um but she said her adrenaline was going so intensely that she couldn't even feel any pain she felt literally like no pain and none of the stabs going through um, and he's stabbing her and he's saying, you stupid bitch, like, over and over as he's stabbing her. He takes a knife and he slices her nipple. And then... That's a little excessive yeah, at that point. Then he tries to slice the other one and she's just laying there pretending to be dead. So she hears him start the car. And she's like, oh shit, he's gonna fucking run me over with the car. He's gonna finish me off. And she's like, I have no fuck. She's been stabbed, like, 30 times at this point. Her lung is collapsing. She's passed out twice. Collapsed. She's been punched, right... She's missing a So nip. she gathers all her strength and rolls real quick into a ditch. <laughs> but again, that gave away that she was alive. Yeah. So he pulls her by the hair again, beats her up, chokes her again. She's still pretending to be dead. He, like, puts a finger under her nose, and she holds her breath. And then he tries to feel her pulse, but it was super weak because she lost tons of blood. Yeah, right. So he picks her up, and he puts her in the backseat of her, the car. And when she gets in the car, she's, like, finally starting to peel feel pain and she reaches down and describes like she felt what felt like like a lump of jelly which was you know her fucking skin and insides and she's like in the backseat of the car and she's like I'm gonna die in the backseat of this car so it's a fucking hard <laughs> so they're driving <clears throat> she's like I just need to stay alive for street lights there's gonna be people there now this is the fucking most amazing part of the story right comes to her she's like i need to play into his ego i need to pretend that i have amnesia so make him think that she doesn't really know what's happening and she can't testify against him yeah. so she wakes up and goes oh my goodness what's she doesn't wake up but she pretends to wake up and goes what happened to me was i in a car accident are you going to take me to the hospital are you rescuing me thank you so much and he's like uh yeah, yeah that's exactly what i'm doing i'm going to take you to the hospital and She's like, oh my god, my throat hurts so bad though, like, I really, really need water. She's like, can you stop at a store? And then she's like, but I can't be seen with all this blood on me, like, you're gonna have to pull up to the side of the store and run in for me. So she's trying to, like, sow the seeds that she's not getting out, and she really doesn't remember. And so he pulls over to the side of the store, and he gets out, and he unzips his pants, and he starts to, like, pee in a cup, and that's when she realizes... And she has them in a really vulnerable spot, so she opens the door and just darts past them into the store. Oh, and shit. Yeah, and gets the clerk and is like, you need to lock the door right now. I really want to cry thinking about it. 
And so the clerk locks the door and calls 911, and that's when she said she just completely collapsed, and she felt, like, every inch of pain of what had just, like, her, she knew she was safe, so all the pain came, like, rushing in. Um, crazy part, so she was two days from 19, her attacker was 16 years old. Oh, Jesus 16-year-old boy named Timothy Jordan. He got 40 years for kidnapping, rape, armed robbery, and grand theft auto. Not attempted murder. Nothing for attempted nothing murder. Nothing for attempted murder. What? Nothing for attempted murder. Fucking Florida. But um, she said she survived because she didn't think God was finished with her yet. She immediately changed her major to counseling, and she works uh, in counseling for children of sexual abuse because she feels like um, a lot of kids who go are sexually abused end up down that path of hurting others, yeah. and if she can intervene at a certain phase, so it never happens to anybody else. And I was just like. Holy shit, girl. Like, that is some, that is just so dope. Like, and the strength you have to have to even be dying and be like, okay, I need to strategize. Like, I need to pretend I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's so dope. It's so dope. Makes me emotional. It really does. Go, Rhonda. But 16. Can you believe that? She was even yeah. like, that still fucks me up to this day that he was only 16. Yeah, I've read some stories that is like about some brutal really young shit people doing some really rude to do shit. when you're 16. Yeah, well, it's interesting to me because I just wonder, did he do a trial or did he take a plea deal? And maybe that's what got the attempted murder off the table. Maybe. So. Still got 40 years. Yeah. I mean, you know. I It's interesting because for as heinous as a crime like that is, you know, I also, I feel like, Putting people in prison forever doesn't really serve anybody. It doesn't serve the victim. It doesn't serve the criminal. I mean, there are repeat offenders and yada, yada, yada. But if we're going to talk about the American penal system, well, no shit. Like, we provide them with no skills, no rehabilitation, nothing, 99% of the time. Like, what a shock that people are branded as undesirables then go on to continue a life of crime when they get out of jail and prison. So, you know, I think that they're can be other ways to deal with somebody like that. I totally Especially agree. a 16-year-old, because, you know, and that maybe that was the other part of it, is he's, I guess he got charged as an adult. Yeah, but because in 1988, you could, it was just a lot harsher on minors than it would be in today's eyes. Maybe. I, I don't even know that that's true. I think that that would be, that's a pretty heinous crime. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about with a yeah. crime like that. But I also feel like, again... You know, you can't you can't stop the Ed Kempers and people like that yeah. in the world who are smart enough to manipulate the system and get out and continue to do harm. But that's not most people that are in the prison systems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most people are not serial yeah. killers. They're no, just I totally agree. Like ordinary criminals who are human beings. So I can. So I'm I can. Getting real political. This well, episode. I can do one more. I can do two more. It's up to you. Or if you want me to stop here, I can. But I'd be interested in telling you about... I would do one more. I think one more. Okay, yeah. do you want to hear Sarah Brady or do you want to hear Mary Vincent? Whatever you want to Which do. one are you most excited for? Sarah Brady is such a good story, but Mary Vincent is such a baller. I think I'm going to do Mary Vincent. Okay. Okay. Um, so I read a little bit about this before the episode, but most of it is from memory. So, okay. like, we're all seven listeners. You know, feel this free to do... This is bonus content. This is bonus content. Feel free to do further research. Use Google. You, yeah, <laughs> there's this crazy thing called Google. It's really effective. Um, 
So Mary Vincent was... Eliminating our listeners, one Google remark at a time. So they won't need us anymore if they find out about Google. <laughs> Mary Vincent. Also Google Motel Health podcast, please. Please get our likes up. Please. We're um, stuck at 70. Mary Vincent was 15 years old, mm-hmm. and she was having trouble in school. She was, like, running over. She grew up, um, lived in Nevada, and she grew up in a really strict household and stuff, and she was, like, rebelling and... She was living with her boyfriend who, like, lived in his car. They were living out of his car. And then he went to jail on attempted rape. And, like, she was like, I'm just going to find my own way. And this is in the 70s. I think this was 76 when, like, wow. hitchhiking was still, like, a thing. Yeah. Um, so she's like, I'm going to go hitchhike out to California. I'm going to go to L.A. until, like, the mid-90s. Yeah, my and mom used to There's still ash all over my table. There's still, uh... States where you can kind of do it a little bit more. I met these Chinese guys who hitchhiked all across the country. That's cool. They were out in New Mexico and I met them and they started in New York City. Were they like from China or were they like Chinese Americans? No, they were from China. Okay. So she's like, I'm going to go hit the road, tour California, hitchhike, whatever. So she's not even that far. It's not that far, no. So she's hitchhiking and this guy pulls over and he's like middle-aged and like balding and he's like oh i have a daughter about your age and and she's like yeah i'm I'm trying to go to um la and he's like i'll take you right to to la and she's like oh my god and he's like not headed that direction so it's kind of weird but she was like he's just like a nice older guy she didn't think he was really much of anything no older guys a nice older so guy. she, yeah. she gets in the car Punch and on the face, steal their car. they're like driving and she um she falls asleep and when she wakes up she realizes they're not going in the right direction they're going to like deeper into Nevada and she's like holy shit so she like grabs this like sharpened stick and sort that was in his car for some reason points it at him and he's like in there for a very specific reason what the fuck are you doing and he's kind of like oh I'm just an old guy I made a mistake she's he's like I'll just turn it around she's totally disarmed again she's fucking 15 yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, okay. And so she falls back asleep. She wakes up again, again realizes they're going in the wrong direction. And she's starting to get really worried. And she's like, okay, like, this is weird. And um, now the stick's gone. Yeah, now the stick is out of range. And he pulls over and is like, I'm just going to relieve myself. And she's like, okay. Um, she's feeling weird, but she's still not feeling like super freaked out. And she gets out of the car as well. And he's driving a van, um, of course. And <laughs> he comes up beside her and um like knocks her out really hard and gets her in the back of the van and um ties her hands up real tight and rapes her and then he like he beats her and he rapes her he gets back in the car while she's still tied up in the back and drives around for a little bit and so this is like high tension it's a terrible, shitty movie. Don't it's ever watch okay. movie. It's a garbage French film to like garbage French culture. So he drives around and <laughs> so he, he um, so then he comes back into the back of the van and he makes her drink like a bunch of alcohol and he rapes her again and rapes her again and like just continually rapes her and is just driving around stopping and raping her, driving around stopping and raping her, and she's like, "How does he get anywhere?" Right. <laughs> so he finally comes back and she's like, "When?" Why won't you just let me be free? And he's like, you want to be free, bitch? And he takes the bands off of her and pulls out a fucking hatchet. And in three quick 
Jazz takes off her left arm. Ooh, Holy shit. Right? And she's in fucking shock. And in two, he takes off her other arm. Right? He gets her. He picks her up. He brings her down this ravine. He stuffs her into a concrete pipe. And he says, now you're fucking free. And he gets in his car and he drives away. Did he keep the arms? He kept the arms. And the thought was, when they found her body, she wouldn't have fingerprints, right? Just dental records and a face. Yeah. But, so Mary's like, I'm not going to fucking die. So she gets her way out. She, like, crawls out of this thing. She's, like, there's a pretty steep hill to get to the freeway. She can hear if the cars. Get, if you get the arms quick enough, you can sew them back on. Right. That doesn't happen. But she took mud and caked it over her arms, like, scooped it up like this to cake yeah. her arms, and then fucking walked, like, crawled and walked her way up this ravine, like, trying to keep her muscle fucking in, and she's completely naked, and gets to the side of the road. And the first couple that speeds up to her sees her and is fucking terrified and just speeds off. Well, burning uh, man! <laughs> a naked girl missing arms. Yeah, all kind of terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> the second car stops, helps her, gets her to the hospital, um, and she lives. And um, Do they apply sick hooks so she can invent. She literally gets fucking because the seventies. Yeah, she has so arms. All I have is hooks. Yeah. Um, so she. But this is the crazy part of it, right? So I feel like this could be an she, awesome movie. Yeah, like a great origin story. Like a sexploitation, exploitation. Like she's like it's like Deathwish meets. Uh, what was that movie, Planet Terror? But instead of machine gun legs, she has hook arms and she castrates rapists yeah, in the city. that's dope. Of Reno. But she... So Don't steal my idea. Here's idea. the... Copyright it, because this is going to be our first Copyright. Motel Hell production. Here's the shitty part. So she... So Larry, his name's Larry Singleton. He gets arrested. Uh-huh. Um, or she fingers him. She's like, this is... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. She's like, this is the guy that fucking did it. He goes on trial, um, and he gets something like eight years, and he gets let out on four, and he tries to go back to California, and literally the state of California is like, do not send that fucking asshole here. Like, we don't want him. So he lives in a trailer off near San Quentin, like on the grounds, basically, tries to sue Mary Vincent for like like slanders claims then after not being let back in california goes to florida and murders another woman and then gets life but apparently you get eight years for drugging kidnapping cutting off the arms and leaving someone for dead and you get out in four years with it's good behavior this is also again 70s and 80s but Different but she's a fucking badass she got she and that was part of her story she said she's like people who meet me just think i was born this way she was like, we don't talk about it. Like, she's she like does a bunch of art now and has a family, has two kids, and but damn, like, oh, fucking badass! I can't believe he only got eight years. I know. They literally caught him red-handed. Are you proud of that one? A little bit. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Gotta give it to him. So those are some amazing survivors. Yeah. Great job, dude. Thank you. I feel like I did a great job. You yeah. did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. No, it just is like, you know. Ugh, people yeah. suck. People suck. But women and men are bad. So. Yeah. Good save.
There were two men that we highlighted. Yeah. Tornadoes yeah. also. Fuck tornadoes. Yeah, you got to the second story, and I was like, didn't she say that the first one was like the least gory? How's the third one gonna be any worse? And then you did the third one, and I was like, I feel sick. <laughs> this is so bad. I don't want to listen to this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just think of like, you know, murdering people seems like fun, but. Well, not fun, but, you know, it seems less bad in the context of sort of, like, a Columbine shooting spree or other things, but then when it's the raping and the drugging and the mutilating... Well, it seems less bad when there isn't someone who has a first-hand experience with it, because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the serial killers, there aren't too many people who really survived, they just didn't... Well, and that's maybe there are why I survived just so fucking great, and why I was, like, reading articles about this stuff, and I was like, no, I need to literally watch the episode and write down word for word, because it's so much different when it's coming from their voice. Like, yeah. it holds so much more weight. <clears throat> well, there's that, uh, you, if you haven't seen the show, you should watch it. I actually saw one of the episodes before, um, My Favorite Murder talked about it on one mm-hmm. of their episodes, where the woman... Like, she gets out of the shower, and there's a dude in her house. Mm-hmm. And long story short, he, like, tries to stab her to death. And uh-huh. then, like, she's playing dead, and he comes back with a knife and, like, puts it in her skull and then hits it with a hammer. Yeah. And she, yeah. like, survived that shit. That, that one, I remember that, that one. Was that was a fucked crazy. up episode. Yeah. It's crazy. So, you got everyone should watch I Survived. It does justice to the victims. It gives them a voice, and it... Oh, it turns them from victims to survivors. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's all, there's um, a very, very, very good documentary um, called The Tower. Oh, which is, yeah, I've heard of that. Oh, which, yeah. And it's all about the survivors yeah. and the people who were there. It's not about the gunmen. It's yeah. about the, uh, was it Texas State that yeah. it happened? It's, it's beautiful. I heard movie. a great interview. Main, right? Yes. But they don't, they don't talk about him. They don't mention him by name. Yeah. All they do is talk about the survivors and the people who took him down. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound really good. It's funny because uh, I always think of him in the context of Full Metal Jacket when they're talking about great Marines and how the Harvey Oswald was, I think, a Marine and that guy was a Marine and how like Marines were built to kill and stuff like that. Like it's yeah. in boot camp, like they're dehumanizing yeah. people. That's what they do. But it's just funny because they turn something terrible into an amusing piece of dialogue. Anyway, yeah, that sounds interesting. I feel like there are an unlimited amount of documentaries that I would like to watch, but never do. That one's really good, and it's, it's not super long. It's not a length thing, it's just I have so little time. Yeah, well, it's 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 animated for really? most of it. Yeah, and they have the survivors describing everything that was happening, and then at the very end, like, everything's, like, de-animated, and they have, like, everyone who Is survived that day. Is it animated Scanner Darkly style? Yes. Or? Really? Yes. Huh. It's it's very much got that like almost um, what's the what's the word they the it's a term specifically cell shading. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So um, it's it's really good. It's on Netflix. Huh. You get a chance to watch it. So what's your best buy this week? My best buy this week is so I've been going um through a recent re-obsession with Guillermo del Toro because I still haven't seen The Shape of Water and I want to see it. My parents saw it, which makes me just feel like. Ugh, I can't even get anything right. If my parents see a Guillermo del Toro movie before I do. Right? So, in vain of that, that led me back down to one of my favorite comic book series, which I reread part of it, but unfortunately, uh, in my younger days, I sold it for illicit um, 
illicit substances. Drugs. <laughs> you did drugs. I did drugs. <laughs> and uh, the thing that is my best buy this week is the first collection of Hellboy Seeds of Destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and just ha- it's beautifully written. It's seri- the whole series itself of Hellboy, and it does have a beginning and an end, so it's not like a Batman thing where you're going to be reading like a thousand fucking comics where the story isn't going to intersect in any way. It, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's wrapped up very neat, nicely in a bow. Have you read um, Hellboy in Hell? Have you read the final? No, I only have like the first four or five collected volumes okay. of Hellboy. Um, it Which ends... If you want to borrow those... I do, actually. Okay. Uh, it's very beautifully written. The art style is by far one of my favorites in comic book history because it's almost... Is it still Mike Mignola? Yes, he did stop for a while, but he wrote the last comics, and it was like, I'm done. He actually does watercolor paintings now, which are really fucking awesome. Huh. But that's besides the point. Uh, he... He wanted... And, like, I'm not going to go into the full spiel of, like, how Mike Mignola became his own comic book artist and everything, but... Um, the story itself, you know, is about Hellboy, who is a half-demon who was summoned during World War II by the Nazis, but ended up on the good old boy's side. Yeah. And uh, it's part of a paranormal research division called the BPRD, where they go about and uh, solve paranormal cases. And it's the way it's written and the way it's drawn, the heavy use of shadow in it, it's very film noir feeling. It's, it's very much that detective comic, but it's that detective comic, plus he's a giant red demon fighting monsters, which mm-hmm. is just unbelievably awesome. Yeah, and there's always tons of Lovecraft. Oh, yeah, and it's everything everything that Mignola references in the comics, anything that's magical or monster or demon, is steeped in actual history and, and lore and legends. And I'm not going to give too much away about the final comic, but um, Mignola does this beautiful thing, and I mean, it's in the name, Hellboy Goes to Hell in the final arc. And uh, the, way he, the way Mignola did Hell was he literally pulled a little bit from every denomination and every legend about hell and just threw them all together and it was really his chance to just go crazy and draw whatever he wanted and um it's one of my favorite comic books of all time uh when i was in high school i did a watercolor painting of hellboy that my mom has hanging in her office and i'm so super proud of it it's probably the best thing i've ever drawn and or painted but um definitely give it a check like check it out um the first well the only two movies there were supposed to be three by um, Guillermo del Toro are incredible. Ron Perlman's the man, and then there's a new one coming out soon, which yeah. I'm super excited for. And uh, apparently, Mignola is actually fully staffed to write the thing. So, well, I have to say that from my own experience, I wasn't—I never saw the second Hellboy movie, which I've heard is better. But I didn't love the first one. Like it—it it captures a lot of the Hellboy vibe, but it's way more colorful and than the comic books. Like, it doesn't so. even begin to approach the sort of that noir aspect of it, which I feel like is what makes it so awesome. But it's funny because I'm just thinking, we talked about Lock and Key some episodes ago, and I got into both of those comics simultaneously when I was first sober, and they were such good reads. I'm, and I remember I was studying for the bar exam, and I was just like buying Hellboy comics instead and reading them, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. But, uh... Yeah, no, Hellboy, Hellboy rules, and just from like an art perspective, is so fucking cool, 
and you know he's not the only person to use like heavy shading and 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 those types of limited color palettes and all that but he's certainly been influential on tons of more recent cyberpunk artists and a lot of american or really anything that's not anime type of alternative comic book art stylings like he did reduction in such a way that he shows so much more by using so much less it's yeah. really fantastic and i mean he, he he changed my art and comic book art forever i mean you know uh, I think I still have a copy of Gotham by Gaslight. I'll let you read it. It's it's just his art style with Batman in 1888 in London hunting down Jack the Ripper. Yeah, and it's as it. awesome as it fucking sounds. Mm. But like you know that art style for DC at the time was fucking out there. Yeah. And then you know Dark Horse, who's I could go on a two hour rant about how awesome Dark Horse is, but you know they picked him up and they're like, yeah, fucking. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. He's like, no, I'm gonna do Hellboy. Yeah. And they're Dark like, Horse does right. rule. They they put out a lot of good stuff. And I mean, they did all of the uh, or most of the Alien versus Predator comics. There was a whole bunch of different series, some of which intersected. And that that was for me growing up. That and Spawn. My parents had no idea how screwed I was reading Spawn as a kid, and I had the blood feud, like that whole series. Yeah. I mean, I love Spawn, but well, that's a whole different thing. I mean, we're getting that's like. That's the 90s, Spawn's the, the epitome, the epitome of, the of the 90s comic book genre, where it's just big muscles and utter insanity, and then at the same exact time period, here comes this dude writing fucking Hellboy, and it's yeah. something totally different, and most people are like, that's eh, kind of cool, and then it just slowly gained traction, became this whole thing that, yeah. I'm really hoping that the new movie does well, he's being played by David Hayter, is right? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. and I've seen the test the test shots of him it looks fucking great. Yeah, and I'm um, you know part of me is still Ron always going to hear Ron Perlman's voice come out of that big red monkey. But Ron Perlman is the best. But uh, yeah, I'm super excited about it. Definitely read the comics um, if you're interested in that sort of thing. And if you're not, check them out anyway. Uh, they're they have library editions out which are hard covers, but they're also putting out omnibus ones I think over the summer where you know, it's like just, the treat editions right when right the softback well the the oh you mean like the big big ones yeah the library editions are like actually hardcover they're really nicely put together no but I'm saying the other when they because the ones I have I forget they're called like the trade back or the something, yeah they're the trades they're, yeah yeah the trade paperbacks um, and then they're gonna be putting out omnibus ones which is just more larger sections like I think the first one is like 300 some odd pages that they're putting out because they're like I guess they're just rehashing it since there's going to be a movie And you know what? Out. If you're interested, pay a little more. Visit a local comic book shop and buy a comic there. There's, uh, there's a couple in Philly that that's where I bought all of mine. It was like I was spending an extra $5 per comic, but, you know. It's worth it. There's something, support an independent business. Yeah, and there's something so much more uh, substantial about being in a comic book store and buying a comic or asking someone like hey I like this like what do you recommend yeah and well that's that's how I got recommended the invisibles the awesome oh. uh, yeah what's Don't his even. name the guy who writes it who wrote the watchman he wrote that shameful that neither of us can remember Alan Moore Alan Moore I can remember oh. I was just waiting to see if you would yeah well I got it so we're all good but anyways yeah the invisibles 
there's a lot of recommendations here. Read comics. Comics Comic are great. Comic books are good. But Anime's good. Yeah, and I and you don't. It doesn't have to be the normal superheroes. It doesn't even have to be Spawn. It probably shouldn't be Spawn. Only if you're nine and your parents aren't paying attention. Yeah. Spawn is like terrible in many ways, but it also rules. What image represented was good. <laughs> you know, artists. It was the worst. Yeah, but it was artists getting back their own comics. Yeah. But everyone who started that company is a was, huge prick. Yeah, a huge prick. As opposed to Dark Horse, where it was just started by a guy who had a few comic book shops, and then he opened more, and was like, you know what? I'm going to help people publish their comics, and they're going to own all the rights and get most of the money. We'll just take a very, very tiny percentage. Yeah, but they also put out the awesome early editions of Ghost in the Shell. Yes. The collected editions, which took out the lesbian scene, but... That didn't hurt me. I didn't even know I was missing it when I was a kid, and then I read it later on. It was like, nice. So so you should read Hellboy. You've read Hellboy. Everyone should read Hellboy. I'm going to read the rest of Hellboy. I need... Oh, man. I wish I didn't have this book. <laughs> All I'm right. borrow a few of them from me tonight. Good work. Everyone. Great work. We nailed it. We sure, we sure did. Sure did. Crushing it. Hit All the right. stride. That's it. Fuck you guys. Bye. Later, nerds. Later.